Welcome to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast with me, your host, Emily Rose, where we take a subversive look at all the celebrity gossip you want and some you never knew you needed. We'll take a deep dive into the hidden meanings of what's really going on in the world of pop culture, because here we contain multitudes and read between the lines. Join me. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast. I'm your host, Emily Rose. And I missed you. Did you miss me? I missed you all. And I want to know how you're doing. I had to take a week off last week. And I'd like to say I'm coming back refreshed, a little bedraggled, a little bit refreshed. But one thing that I have to say about the past week or so is I love fire. Okay. And this is, this is going somewhere. You're just going to have to stay with me for like the next 30 seconds to a minute. So (laughs) I love fire. I come from a long line of pyromaniacs. Uh, None of us have been convicted of arson, but we love a perhaps unsafe level of bonfire. I always like to throw more logs on the bonfire. I would say 90% of the bonfires I've been to in my life, I'm always asked at a certain point by someone standing around to stop adding wood to the fire. (laughs) it's my all or nothing gene that kicks in and I don't know when to stop. And I, all I see is fire and my brain says a little is good and a lot is better. And so someone has to say, stop. And that somewhat feels like an analogy for how the world is going right now. It was a hot dumpster fire of a mess. And then the world, the universe, the government just kind of kept adding logs on and people were like, hey, can you stop? But they were just, I don't know, like tipsy and either not listening or pretending to not listen and just kept adding fuel to the garbage fire that is uh, our world. So that's where we're at. I know we're all feeling it. Like, I know I'm a sensitive Sally, but I think that if you listen to this pod on some level, you are picking up on maybe a little more than you would like, or maybe you're, you've embraced that gift, but I think we're all a little sensitive around here. And so even for people that aren't sensitive, everyone's like, you know, everyone's we're all, we all know what's going on. It'd be nice to uh, unsubscribe to this fuckery, but alas, we cannot. I'm trying to dress up my life a little bit. I'm trying to improve things around here. And so, and so part of that has taken place by me doing what I have called Jalent, July Lent, where I'm taking a 30 day break from weed and coffee. And it has to be both for me because it's a full Alice in Wonderland situation. Drink this to make me big, eat this to make me small. And they balance each other out. So if I have one, I'm going to have too much energy or too much sleepiness. I would be lying if I said that a lot of this isn't motivated by vanity. I, (laughs) I'm just looking puffy and red enough of the time lately that I would say about three to four times a week, my face ID on my phone doesn't recognize me. And I'm like, look, okay. I (laughs) I'm looking a little, I'm looking a little road hard and put away wet, but you don't need to be rude to me like that. Apple. Like, I don't know if you need to scan my face when I'm looking haggard as well as looking resplendent and moisturized. Um, but I don't need to hear from you that I look a little off kilter. 
I know. Okay. So I think there's that and there's my energy levels, which are off. Um, and so I'm just going to try a little experiment here. And I mentioned on my stories on, on Instagram and a few of you decided to join in, which is very cool. And people said they're going to join in for not eating edibles for a month, not, not counting calories, like cleaning their house. Like It's cool. It's cool to have friends along the journey of me temporarily removing my adult pacifier and seeing what that does, seeing how that little shakeup goes. Because normally I'm of the mind that I'm not here trying to raw dog reality. And I very much count caffeine as part of that. And we'll see, we'll check back in in a month, see what that does. And this is really the only thing that I'm trying to change at the moment. I feel like I'm a recovering self-help millennial where... (laughs) I'm undoing this mentality that I am this constant fix, fix, fixer upper and that I always need to be chipping away at myself because I did that for a long time and I think it just made it worse. So I'm just generally trying to vibe. Anyhow, so today I have the lovely and delightful Zen Blonde, aka Lauren, back on the pod. And we recorded this before all of the news, everything that's going on in the US, all the everything. We recorded this episode about the Teal Swan documentary, which feels like it was years ago, but it was really came out about, I don't know, a month or so ago. And But we're going to dig into it. We're going to talk about this interesting facet of it that we uncovered about Teal Swan's origins and satanic panic. And I'll, I'll get into it on the pod, but why I find this so interesting is because it feels like a shining example of the state of the new agey spiritual world, the whole system that exists, that is part of what contributes to this whole mentality of I'm this little broken bird and I always need to be improved. And part of the way to do that is to pay five grand for this course by this white lady shaman to waterboard me. Um, (laughs) If that doesn't make sense to you, if you haven't seen the documentary, don't worry, we're going to explain it all in depth in the pod today. I'm still just mind blown at the fact that the last time she was on the pod, the episode was called Off the Spiritual Deep End because it was us talking about how we went so far off the spiritual deep end, both of us in our personal lives. And that's why that's part of why we get along so well is because we have essentially in our own way kind of lived as monks in the past. And and now we subscribe to the religion of reality TV or like we always had that in us. We're both very much cut from the same cloth where we are one full foot in the spiritual world and one full foot in the celeb gossip reality world. And you know, around here, we love to embrace our multitudes. So we love that. We love Lauren. So before I bring on the wonderful, lovely Lauren, my simple request of you, which is if you're listening and enjoying, subscribe, download the episode, hit me with a review. I am coming up on this podcast turning six months. So I'm going to be like the podcast version of those couples that obnoxiously do an elaborate celebration for like each month anniversary. That's going to be me um, next month because I'm very, very excited for the six month anniversary of uh, it's become a whole thing. I just forgot what this podcast is called for a second. I don't know how I did that because it's my handle across all social media fields. Okay. This is clearly going off the rails as it usually does in my little intro chit chats with you guys. So I'm going to bring on Lauren. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. 
Okay, we're back with the one and only Zen Blonde. Hey, Lauren. Hey, Emily. I'm so happy to be back. Yeah, absolutely. I know I am feeling dysfunctional today, but like (laughs) dysfunctionally excited to talk to you. You're someone who I can shoot the shit with in any state of existence. I can't wait. Oh my God. I know. I feel like we're always just like hanging on by a thread, but like when we talk, like it boosts my serotonin. So I'm very happy to be here as well. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. It's a big serotonin boost. It feels very serendipitous because the last time that I had you on the episode was titled off the spiritual deep end. And we were sharing all of our like crazy spiritual experiences in the past and our own history of going off the deep end. And now (laughs) There is a documentary literally called The Deep End that is making waves that we're going to get into. It, it really ties into... Absolutely. Like, I think if you were to kind of take a survey of all the pop culture commentators and find the two that were most likely to have potentially joined a cult at some point un- unintentionally, it would have been me and you. So, which <laughs> makes us the most qualified because we were at one point the most susceptible to... Yeah. <laughs> And who knows, like maybe, maybe a few of the things that we were involved in are a little bit of a cult. I think some of the shit that I've got, you know, I, I, I was, I remember I was doing a Kundalini yoga training and I was Googling like, what does, what qualifies something as a cult as I'm in this training? Cause I'm like, this feels a lot like a cult. Yeah. It's at the point where if you're Googling it, they're probably are at least some some elements there but we can at least say that we never got to the point of getting waterboarded by teal swan um (laughs) which we'll get into oh my god (laughs) yeah exactly exactly I was saying the same thing last night as I was watching this (laughs) she literally was waterboarding people it was like it was I mean literally for anyone listening that hasn't watched you know the deep end it's essentially like if nine perfect strangers came to life but was like even more diabolical because it doesn't end well yeah oh totally and so I want to get I want to get into the deep end but I'm having this thought where it's like so we had talked in depth about our past and becoming Buddhist monks and meditating you know for months on end and all that but both of us kept our love of pop culture throughout that time and our love of reality TV. And maybe that was what grounded us in reality. Maybe that's what tethered us to like the poppy mainstream world. I don't know. Well, I- it's just so funny, like, because I shaved my head and I was supposed to like reject material, essentially the material world, right? And I'm in this Buddhist monastery in Thailand, living as like a Mai Chi, like a novice nun, but I'm downloading the Real Housewives of New York. And like, now that you say it, but like there was not good wi-fi emily i went to great lengths it took like hours to download these episodes that i was just like i need to watch this like this is i need this and truly it did keep one foot on the ground i think because i've been told you gotta have one foot on the ground and one cloud nine you know you gotta yeah there are people that that lose touch with reality and i think we saw some of that in this documentary yeah totally and i've been posting about it a bit and you get a mix of opinions as always but there's some people are like oh i can't believe people would fall for this and i'm like there there's none of that judgment here i mean first of all because of my own past but also because these people are vulnerable and that's what she preys upon but i think beyond just the specific documentary i think it's so representative of so many themes going on in the world of wellness and spirituality that that's why i think it's important to take a look at it 
Absolutely. And I think the, the main takeaway too, is like people don't typically start meditating or going down a spiritual path when things are going great for them. So it's a lot of times people that are like desperate for an answer. And then when somebody presents themselves as literally thinking that they have every answer, that can be like weirdly comforting for people who feel like they have none of the answers and their lives are falling apart. Um, which I think a lot of people feel like in their twenties, regardless of whether you're you're doing well and you can look back and be like, I was doing great in the moment. It feels really groundless being an adult, like a real adult without college or any other strict and sort of like yearly plan to be tethered to. Oh my God. I mean, what a crazy documentary. So what, what did you think of it initially when you were watching it? Oh my God. So, so many thoughts. I mean, every moment was insane. I I had watched the first episode and I talked about it um, a bit last week on the Patreon, but I thought that that was as crazy as it could get. And it was like, every episode, it just topped itself. And I know throughout, they did a really good job with the very dramatic music and dramatic editing. So I know there was, I want to say a bit of like embellishments here and there, but at the same time, it's like, no matter how you edit it, she said those things. I don't want to like diagnose her, but I will say she epitomizes gatekeep, gaslight, girl boss, that whole trope. <laughs> the, the, the three horsemen of the apocalypse, the three Gs. Yeah, like, like girl boss in like the worst sense because she's like all about the money and herself and everything, but also it's just like, yeah, running. It doesn't like help that she looks like a beautiful evil witch too. Yes, she really does. And kind of, <laughs> and like, kind of like so her style is sort of like from the 90s. So it's almost like has this look of like the cartoons of our youth. She's kind of like peacocking, you know, like yeah. it's kind of giving like the female version of like the, the blanking, the guys that invented peacocking that were, that were like the total like tool bags. Yeah. Oh, they had a show in the States and now it's escaping my mind and I can't remember it. But no, I mean, I think the craziest thing too was like, you know, as I've gone down a spiritual path, I was always told by my first meditation teacher, who was a really humble dude that like studied with literally everyone, but just was looking for his own answers as everyone should in life throughout life. If you ever meet somebody that claims to know all the answers, like that's a red flag and you should look out for people like that. And she literally said, like, I have all the answers. Like she, she felt that she has all the answers. And then not only that, but one of her people was like, uh, you know, I'm having some resistance towards you. Do you have somebody that you look up to? And she's like, if you find the fastest person on the earth and they, and you can't find somebody that runs faster than them, are you going to doubt them? Like, she's essentially saying that she is the most conscious person on the planet. Yeah. It, but yeah. then like one of her, any member leaves and she literally is telling them to commit suicide, essentially. It, like it, to go fucking kill yourself yeah and that and she's like almost like mocking her and and in that moment I thought okay this this feels like the most kind of like evil and like extreme iteration of so many things that I see in the spiritual world now where it's like if you have a problem with something it's like well you're projecting or like you're <laughs> you're having resistance come up or like I'm just a mirror to you and everything that you're saying about me sticks to you yeah like (laughs) and it's it's like like, no you're actually trying to create contracts with all of us that we literally can't have a fucking life outside of you and we cannot we have to put you before our family we have to put you before having a relationship like anything that like does isn't good for you and your version of like reality cannot exist and cannot happen and like Oh my God, it it was so crazy. And she had her main, you know, henchman 
Blake, who she had a relationship with for a year, and then they had like 13 subsequent relationships. And in the documentary, you see Blake marry this girl and like him and this girl have a good relationship. And I feel like she's like a sensible European woman. I couldn't even believe she was sucked into it for a moment. And she ended up being really the catalyst for Blake, who was literally indebted to Teal Swan for years, getting out of what this journalist was trying to determine whether or not our investigator was determining whether or not it was a cult. Yeah. And it was kind of like teetering on the edge where she was like having the same questions as I was having in this yoga teacher training where I'm like, so I have to tithe to this yoga that I just paid for a really inexpensive, expensive training with. I have to sleep with the guru's photo next to my bed. I have to make a pledge not to drink alcohol ever again and like eat this specific way. Like it, you know what I mean? There's, there's, there's things that aren't technically considered cults that can very much teeter on the edge of a cult that are Mm -hmm. spiritual institutions. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it is a very fine line and it all bleeds together with like a lot of religious practices. There's a lot of overlap. And when you zoom out and you look at like, what is the difference between a religion or a cult, that definition will vary from person to person of, of what each thing falls into, but it's definitely a cult she's running and you don't see a lot of women cult leaders. That's why, you know, (laughs) she's a girl boss winning. I'm so glad we get the chance to to showcase her today because you know she's a she's a pioneer. <laughs> she she is <laughs> she is she is and like you know we see the worst sides of her in the documentary, but like any bad situation that you could find yourself in, she doesn't lead with that. Have you ever seen her YouTube videos or, or heard of her before all of this? No, I hadn't. I really hadn't. Had you? Uh, yes. So this is why, like. <laughs> You could have been stuck into the I, deep end. Totally, oh totally. My God. Because if you go and watch, they're like these 10 minute clips and it's like how to like um, get over shame, like how to integrate this thing from your childhood. It's all these like little kind of interesting self-help, self-development things with that are like very spiritual, but then she is has this very matter of fact way of presenting things. It's not like fluffy at all. and And so- they I found them I found them very compelling like yeah all the people online that were like oh my god like people are so dumb they couldn't tell right away I'm like I couldn't tell and I'm not (laughs) I'm not ashamed to say it I'm just glad I didn't go further with it and didn't end up on the ranch or whatever (laughs) we've all been there with people like I was like I had I've drank so many Kool-Aids before like when it comes to like people that end up being problematic even like I went to Tony Robbins Unleashed the Power Within and there was a point where like he did something that reminded me of Teal Swan where he had us like go through like this like this is if you don't change your life this is the worst scenario like this is the dark night of the soul and like the lights were off in this like like this huge conference place with like a thousand plus plus people and people were screaming I felt like I was in Dante's Inferno like it was crazy um, wow. So wow. I've seen like stuff like that. And I was crying. I like, I was totally like sold on the process. And like, I felt like a very like a high, high from going to that. He's definitely had his problematic stuff after that, where he's been accused of things, but 
in the moment I I thought it was powerful yeah I drank the Tony Robbins Kool-Aid too back in the day and then when his controversies with the Me Too movement started I I sobered up and was like oh my god and then the whole controversy after with Rachel Hollis I was like oh and she's just a protege all these people are these different versions of these people are like it's you and your limiting beliefs give me five thousand dollars and I'll tell you how to get rid of those limiting beliefs (laughs) yeah yeah I definitely got some things out of it and that's the thing it's like you know, if you have ever gone down some path, it's like, I never like necessarily throw out the baby with the bathwater, which is something that they love to tell you when somebody's problematic, like with Yogi Bhajan, they like love to be like, well, yes, he may have like assaulted some women. And then the next year a book came out about it. Cause I basically spoke up in front of the entire yoga teacher training and like, I became like a pariah for doing it. But anyway, like, they're like, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. But it's like, yeah, you can probably get something from Teal Swan's YouTube videos. Like, I'm sure there's still substance there. But then it seemed like with people that she was pulling on these retreats, she was like planting stories in their mind of their families molesting them as kids. Yeah. Like, yeah. I and couldn't tell fact from fiction with that because it seemed like a lot of those thoughts were being planted where she would be like channeling a relative and be like, this is fact. Like, this happened. This is a repressed memory that you can't remember somehow, but this happened to you. You were molested or your yeah. brother was molested. Yeah. Uh, and okay. So after I'd seen the first episode, I actually had a few doubts in my head about parts of her own story of abuse. And I didn't want to really, it's, it's a delicate thing because obviously I believe survivors and I believe people, but then she is someone who is seen to be really focused on just every move is focused on ma- manipulating people. And I did some digging and some research. I I sort of followed this trail of things that just didn't quite match up for me. And so I listened to an incredible podcast. Um, It's called Mormon Stories. And the episode is featuring her ex best friend from childhood and their teenage years. They grew up as neighbors and they weave this in with how Teal grew up going to a psychiatrist who was one of the leaders in this whole satanic panic movement in the 80s. And her name is Barbara Snow, and she's all about digging out repressed memories in this way that is not scientifically backed at all. And she talks all about how there's all these people out there doing these satanic rituals on children. And it was something that people were thinking had kind of died down, but Teal is one of the people who, through her practices, people are realizing it's still alive and it's also splintering off. And there's elements of it now that have made their way into QAnon. And so it's this really, it's this whole part of it that they didn't really address in the documentary. But once I started to hear about it and read about it, I was like, oh, this matches up perfectly with what she's all about. That is mind blowing. Like I I had no idea about that, but it makes a lot of sense because the sort of like element of the memories she seems to be planting through this process feels like really demonic like insane stuff like the girl that said you know that her dad punished her by like assaulting her at four and the mom like walked in and walked out but then it's like okay but your parents are deeply concerned about you so this is like a little bit of a weird dichotomy and of course like Emily and I are both very much like on the vein of like people usually don't lie about these things so I want to make that like Oh yeah. Abundantly yeah. clear. Yeah. I want to say, I do, I, I do definitely think that she's experienced trauma and I'm sure she's, he has experienced some element of sexual abuse. I have no doubt about that. I'm talking about the, what the specifics of it and the way that she's explaining her story. 
It would be like, for anyone listening that hasn't seen this documentary, it would be like you were at your lowest of low points, like you're really depressed and you go to this, you know, this seminar, this, this retreat that's supposed to help you. And then you have people telling you that things happen to you and then you start believing the memory with no, like, it's not like they're pulling a repressed memory from you. It's like they're channeling and telling you that things happened. Okay. So, so it's not like, so it's strange. So get this. So her best friend or her, her, the, the person that she was closest to growing up with, she had had a lot of psychiatric issues throughout her youth. And some of them, she actually, I think it's better to listen to her tell the story of it, but basically growing up with Teal gave her a lot of issues. And some of them, she knows a lot of it comes from herself, but Teal seemed to always have been very twisted. And a lot of her accounts of things that she said her parents did, there's inconsistencies that I'll I'll link the podcast and I'll, I'll let her explain it. But at one point she ended up in a psychiatric hospital and Teal wrote a letter to her parents to the friend's parents detailing all this horrific abuse that the friend had been through. And she's like, she doesn't remember it, but I do. And this is all this stuff that happened to her. And she said it partly ruined her life for like years and ruined so much of her family dynamics because she was in this hospital, in this hospital for an eating disorder. And then her parents were like, wait, all this abuse happened. And her friend's like, no, no, it didn't. But then they're like, but you're, but Teal, your, your person closest to you growing up is saying all this stuff happened and you just don't remember it. And so they're digging and digging and trying to be like, look, you can, you can, you can say it to us. You can be honest and treating her like in this way of trying to make her feel comfortable to express all this stuff that like, she's like, no, I never went through satanic ritual abuse as a kid. Like this did not happen. I have uh, other issues. And so That seemed to be the first documented moment of this sort of false memory thing that Teal always seemed to have kind of like an interest in, I want to say. And then everyone that comes on her retreats has these memories that are dug up either by Teal or by other participants embodying that person, so to speak. It's insane. I mean, one of the women like said that her parents, who again were expressed deep concern for her well-being during these retreats because she'd been sucked into the inner circle of this woman. She was claiming that her parents fired up the barbecue and sat each kid on the barbecue while it was fired up. If that was true, where are the scars? Where you'd have third degree burns? Like, I'm not saying I doubt people. It's just that if you watch the documentary, you can see how these people are vulnerable. They have somebody who is claiming to have all the answers that can channel things maybe, you know, I don't remember all of my childhood. Like, you know, I think all of us, like, because childhood is blurry or like, do I have a repressed memory? Like, you know, like, um, well, repressed, but I think that she, she creates confusion, you know? Yeah. Well, repressed memories can definitely exist and, and trauma can definitely impact your memory and everything, but full events happening and at years and extremely huge traumatic events, having like zero memory of it is actually quite rare. And so, for Teal to say she grew up going through all this ritual abuse. So she talked about it more in her YouTube videos beforehand and talks about it in her conferences. They didn't really dig into it a ton in the deep end, 
but there's things she said, like she got, she would get kidnapped every night at three in the morning and taken to the woods and taken to this place where they did all these uh, uh, abuse and they, they murdered children. They, they burned them like all like horrific things that would be some of the craziest cases in like in, in news history, in history of you know, the States. Yeah. And so for then participants to come on and say the parents would hold kids over the fire. And I only remembered this once I started going to Teal and Teal started telling me about this. It's like, that's where red flags were going up. I'm sure that everyone has experienced trauma that you would be in a place where you'd be saying these things, but there are things that don't match up. And if you were held over a fire, you would have burn marks. And then it's like, if you're saying every kid in your family was held over the fire, there'd be like a lot of people to corroborate that, that would have like burn marks on them. Like I, and I'm not, again, like it's so, it's such a fine line because it's like, like, and you and I like believe reasonable people, but like in this case, like when you watch the documentary, you see how these things were planted. And it seems like it's just from what you've said with the satanic panic psychologist, it seems like Teal had some serious mental health issues. And that's why she started going to the woman in the first place. And then it's like the perfect storm of somebody who learns how to plant false memories in people's brains, but almost like believes their own lies. But then there's like, seems to be like a high level of like narcissism. And like, I don't know, she seems to me like somebody who's maybe has borderline personality disorder. I know that that had been one of the diagnoses mentioned, like, and she kind of seems to align with like serious like narcissism and like maybe some borderline. Again, I'm not a psychologist. I studied psychology, but just from like what I've seen, like there's clearly some sort of serious mental health issue going on with her where like, and now she's got all this like power and these people just guessing her. So it's, it's just a really crazy thing. But L. Ron Hubbard, you know, was diagnosed with like schizophrenia and then started Scientology. So it's not the first time we've seen people believe someone who's kind of a little bit need some help in the mental health department. Yeah, exactly. And another big reason for my doubt is the fact that if everybody comes out of this, having these crazy repressed memories, quote unquote, revived about their parents. So now they all hate their parents. They're cutting their parents off because now all of a sudden they've been made aware that they didn't love them or were abusing them, whatever. Now they have no, they have no contact with their family. That's classic cult stuff. That's like, that's yep. like textbook. Yep. She's cult. breaking down your foundation. Yeah. And, and, and they're yeah. going to turn to Teal even more and be that much more vulnerable to her and her teachings. Absolutely. And like, I, again, like, I think it's one of those things where it's the perfect storm too, because I'm sure these people, if they come to her, like they probably have had like some trauma, like they've had trauma, I'm sure. Yeah. But it's just not the trauma that she's putting in their minds, which like, if you're living thinking that these things happen to you and you don't remember them, like that's really traumatic too. Well, she's re she's traumatizing them way further because now they're having, like they're coming to her because they're in a bad place. And I don't think anyone's going to any retreat, even if it's not a cult, even if it's just like a re- rest and relaxation, no one's going feeling incredible. Like from the, from the beginning, you know, you sign up for a retreat because you're like, oh my God, I need a break. Like I'm losing it. And so all these people are showing up like this. And then she really is traumatizing them so much further. And you see that by all the participants, even some of them that bravely are like, yeah, my life has actually gotten so much worse and kind of stand up to her. And she's like, doesn't have, not having any of it. And it's like, no, you need to suffer. And it's like, But yeah, 
I feel like she's traumatizing them at the thing, like, and creating a, a really strong trauma bond too, which is a thing as well, because you have the the presence of psychedelics, which aren't always very pleasant. Like, you know, it seems like a lot of people are having a bad trip with her uh, because she was telling them like the most traumatic shit too. And they're like tripping. She's Oh my God, I forgot them. about the frog venom. Yeah, I She's mean, like, things aren't working. We need to the, the combo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you're just coming off the frog venom and she's like, get in the pool. Like we're going to do something crazy. <laughs> and she says like, this is a- <laughs> literally like, like just dra- like dunking them. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, dunking them. And then no, it, it, terrible. it, it is terrible. And I keep coming back to this, but it's like, this is the final version of things that I've had a lot of issues with in the world of even just like a lot of Instagram psychology and mental health accounts where it's just like always about like processing your trauma and feeling through your trauma. And I know that's there, that has to happen at some point. Sure. If you've gone through it, but it doesn't have to be all the time. And it doesn't have to be like through these Instagram gurus or these unlicensed like people in Utah, you know, like it can be in a concrete like way with someone who's an expert and has some oversight. And then you can just enjoy your life the rest of the time. You're allowed to do that, you know? And the thing is like the way that I like have had it described to me is like, you know, when you have trauma, like, and it's constantly coming up for you and you're constantly like having like basically um, intrusive thoughts about it. When you do actual trauma therapy with like a psychologist, which I've done, it takes like these crumpled up little balls of trauma that fill up like the entire garbage can and flattens them out into like organized papers that are in just like this little pile. And you can like sift through them and be like, okay, okay, okay. And so I did about a year and a half of therapy with a very trauma informed psychologist. Like she had a PhD, like it was so expensive, but like it was worth every fucking penny. But now, like, once you kind of get through it now, I'm like, I actually, like, don't want to talk about it once a week. Like, I just, like, (laughs) I'm just, like, now that it's not intrusive, like, thinking, like, I'm like, okay, like, you know, like, I can put this to bed. Like, if something that reminds me of it happens, like, I might have a weird nightmare that, like, that night. But, like, you know, other than that, like, it's all Gucci, golden, but you have to go to people that have gone through the right channels to be able to work with you when you have gone through trauma. because. Otherwise, it can just create more trauma, as the woman has done for many people and left them much worse off than they started. Yeah, totally. And like, even for me right now, it's like I, a few months ago, I started going back to therapy after a while, not being in it. So I have so much going on in my life. And, but even that I'm finding it very lovely and very helpful, but it's like, that's a set time every like week or every few weeks. And the rest of the time I'm like, I'm, I'm here to vibe. And that's, what, <laughs> that's yeah. the constant. But once you're in Teal's grasp, it's like, you have to like live and breathe this doctrine of hers, which really seems to be like humorless, no fun, all about like suffering. You know, it, it's like, that's, I guess how she keeps everyone in her orbit. Yeah. And it's funny, like when she um, did the, when she like was telling the guy that was questioning her, like anyone that questioned her, like the girl, the the European girl that was questioning her too, she, the way that she like went at people, like when I did Kundalini yoga teacher training, which again, like I have no problem with Kundalini yoga, but like the organization itself felt culty to me. And I'm sorry if anyone mm-hmm. listening is a practitioner, no offense to you guys, but it just felt a little culty. It, I friends. It's always seemed it. culty to me. I, I, I've done one or two classes and felt like 
I don't know. I, I, I was always like magnetically pushed away from it. I felt, but I really was like the opposition the entire time. And like, you know, when, when I spoke out, like the, the group leaders would be like, like eavesdropping on my conversations. Cause they'd want me like talking about it outside of the group circle. Like then they flew someone in from corporate after I called out Yogi Bhajan, like the weird stuff happened to the point where I'm like, yeah, I don't actually think this organization is, is the greatest, but anyway, like what's crazy is one of the things that they would tell you is that in your spiritual journey, the first three years, you at first you'd be like this excited student, but then like you'd start questioning and feel like opposition to it. And they're like, this is just a part of the journey that you have to get through for two to three years. And then you get to a higher level where you see the error of your ways and your resistance. And it's like, no, you're just then indoctrinated. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they teach you to like question your own questioning of the Stop. Yeah. Yeah. If you're having doubts, it just means it's it's your ego and, and you haven't, you haven't worked on your ego enough <laughs> or else you'd be like, you'd get it. <laughs> yes. 100%. And it's funny. Like I studied like um Judaism in Israel. I went to like a place called Ascent and I grew up Catholic. So like, oh yeah, yeah. I, th- I think you, I remember you, you saying something about that one. <laughs> well, you don't question a priest. Like, you know what I mean? You're like, yes, sir. Like I will go do my five Hail Marys. Like I'm amazing. What, the one thing that I found really interesting when I was studying Judaism was we would have these like sit downs with the rabbis and this guy was like very orthodox. He was questioning the rabbi left, right, and center. I was like, is he trying to leave the religion? I was like, whoa, I was like, this is getting into, and I didn't realize that you're supposed to, in Judaism, you're allowed to question. Yeah. And you're supposed to question. And it was so interesting to me, but the entire time this engagement like was happening, I was like, <laughs> I was I was sitting there like I was, I was like this is so awkward like I want to leave like I was like he is like about to leave the religion and yeah. it was just like yeah. this, I didn't get it I was like oh my god like whoa yeah, yeah. To a rabbi yeah yeah <laughs> throughout my life I've had issues with authority and everything but that aspect of Judaism is one of the reasons why I felt very at home mm-hmm. in it is because it is highly encouraged and it's actually there's texts that that have been written since the time that the Torah was written, that's a recording of these conversations and these debates. And if they reach an interesting conclusion, it's almost like an addendum to it where it's like, oh, but we had this debate about this specific thing. And then we're kind of like almost adapting it. It's, it's very cool, but yeah, not, not in a lot of religions and certainly not in like the swan cult the world or whatever. Of swan. <laughs> yeah. Not with the swan, the swan heads or whatever. <laughs> Well, <laughs> <laughs> whatever they call themselves <laughs> I cannot well there's there's like this one scene where like the okay so there's this one scene where teal swan's like right hand man blake is his wife is questioning um teal swan and i i think really what the fever pitch of this was was like this girl was saying that like she was gonna kill herself i, I was literally about to be like unalive herself. i know oh my god uh, tiktok is brain like it's brainwashed me where i'll say that sometimes in conversation i'm like i can talk to people without like it being censored <laughs> we need to add it to the english language so that like uh people stop bitching at me in my comment section although i do appreciate the engagement i'm like you must be new here um <laughs> like you don't realize we get censored for everything by like big brother yeah Um, yeah I'm not like in kindergarten I can do swears I just don't want to get shadow banned (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, like I have to speak a certain way, like this is TikTok language. But um, so this girl like sa- is saying to like the you know Blake, who's Teal Swan's right hand man, and like his wife, that like you know she's much worse because of this process, and that she is going to kill herself if you know after she leaves, and she's had a suicide attempt after doing her work with Teal Swan. I think that's what was really the catalyst for the your wife of Blake to really have like the red alarm bells go off like she was like okay like this is bullshit this is like a cult like I think she really had that like that moment and if it wasn't her being if it wasn't her being forced to speak through someone's dead mother allegedly like then it was this was this was the final moment (laughs) well yeah because she was like Teal Swan would just pull like choose people to like channel people's dead mother and it's like oh I didn't realize like (laughs) The Long Island medium was here. Like, it's like, I didn't realize, like, we're all, like, fucking Tyler Henry and we just don't know until we, we meet Teal Swan. I'd like to channel Princess Diana. I know, I know. She's like, Juliana, you step up. I'm like, oh my. Anyone who's ever had to go to an acting class, like, it is just an acting exercise. <laughs> like, like, literally, like, I could, like, literally be like, um, you know, Princess Diana is here with me now. She She's says sad. that. <laughs> <laughs> but also happy like you <laughs> she says hi Harry like you know it's just one of those things she's like what do you see Julia she's like it's dark I'm like okay this poor this poor girl she's gone way over her head like she went to one retreat and and actually even at that retreat Blake who seems kind of innocent in comparison to Teal he was like joking around and being like oh we did a workshop together and the practitioner patient boundaries got blurred and we started our romance and I'm like that is not cool and should not happen that shouldn't happen (laughs) no I know oh the thing is like sometimes you you, the other thing is you go to these places looking for a safe space and having lived in an ashram for a month like I can tell you like the number of people in an ashram looking for a fucking relationship when I didn't want a man anywhere near me at that point in my life like wild I was like everyone like I would think that I was engaging in like a friendly way with someone and then the next thing you know like I had somebody that I needed to avoid in the ashram that I was living in like it was just like there's there's so much like creepery in the spiritual world because you hold people on a pedestal and you're vulnerable and then like people just get creepy but I would take I would take a douchey finance bro over like some horny spiritual guy who's pretending like <laughs> he wants to like have a soul connection but is actually just like looking to get laid. Any <laughs> day of the week because at least with the finance bro I would know like what I was like getting. It would be transparent yeah, as opposed but- to like this bullshit. Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's bullshit. Yeah. But the European girl, anyway, she's sitting in the circle with Teal Swan, and then literally, Teal Swan is having every single member of this retreat tell the girl what she was feeling about Teal Swan, and they're like, "You're jealous of her. You think she's prettier than you. You are like, you think that she's like wrong." Blah 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 blah. And then Teal Swan's writing it all down, and then after they go around the circle, like Blake, her the European girl's husband, moves from being next to Teal Swan and sits down next to the European girl, his like wife, and then she's like reading this list off and it's like the nastiest list and you can tell she's just furious and getting like a high off of being able to like read all these nasty things off about this girl and everyone like participated and like was just dragging her and that was like where the big break happened where Blake got away from Teal Swan which was crazy yeah and and now everyone is kind of seeing it and it is gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how this unfolds because so many people I I've watched 
them have their so-called downfall and I'm like okay this is this is the end of their career and they keep going and so I don't know if if her career is going to withstand this or there's a lot of people that I always say I'm frustrated that they actually haven't been canceled in real life because they're still out there working but I talked to a, a guest a few weeks ago who runs a PR firm and she's like even if those people are working again, they're still a bit radioactive. And that's what I think is going to be the case for Teal. What do you think? (laughs) What do you reckon? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you're absolutely right because I think that there are individuals who are just like drawn like a moth to a flame with people like that. And like, even if they're not operating like publicly, like they're still going to have those minions that like ties to them. And like, you know, they're still going to have, they're still going to convince people that, this is like some satanic like she's getting too close to the truth and like the, the government like and like the world is trying to like oppress her or something like she'll she'll figure out a way to spin it because she's a master manipulator and that's what master manipulators do like I was just talking about the love is one cult and like that woman had her members believing that she had lived 500 different lives and that a cabal was after her it read a lot like human um and she when they found when they found her she turned herself the color blue from drinking so much colloidal silver and she died from a combination of alcoholism and anorexia so she was like on youtube like literally with like a highball glass of like vodka like just shit face saying all these crazy things and she had a ton of followers and when they found her she was blue mummified in one of her members trailers and they put a crown on her and like makeup on her because that's how she requested to taking care of when she passed but like there are going to be a group of people that believe anything right so like it's just like she might not have like fill stadiums and people might be like we're gonna shun her a little bit from like those bigger things but she'll have her core group members people like that always find a way to like stay afloat you know yeah yeah because there's always going to be people looking for answers and then there's always going to be these sort of like cult leader new agey people conspiracy theorists that are speaking with some element of the truth there's always some bit of truth in there at at least like you can't just come out of left field and just say a bunch of gibberish like some of it does relate to the human condition or things are actually happening or even like QAnon they're like there's missing children it's like okay I'm sure there are miss like some (laughs) missing children but it's not like this big lizard person thing going on like there's (laughs) like you're just looking for some crazy story like if human trafficking was as prevalent with like your average person because unfortunately it's like runaways and like people that are in vulnerable situations like going across the border or like whatever that get typically put in these human trafficking situations but QAnon and people like that would have you believe that like my little sister is going to get snatched from her house like and when they you know when you run the numbers of like the number (laughs) of like statistically like of people that this has happened to like we should all know like five people or something like you know what I mean yeah. that have been like yeah taken into human trafficking so the, the math ain't math in in a lot of ways and same thing for her and the, the thought she's planted in people I just I think that you know she found traumatized people but one of the saddest things I mean didn't one of her former members commit suicide like yeah. a female it, yeah it's it's followed her around because she'll say death is the reset button and basically has encouraged people to do it and and that's another thing that her friend from her childhood was talking about how that's always been a bit of an obsession with her. And they made like, she was like encouraging them to make weird packs, just like kind of like really troubled teenager type of stuff, but stuff that's 
she's carried forth and like taken one step further. And there was actually someone's account that I came across. It's called, I think it's called Allie Starts a Cult. And she had this long past of basically turning to these, like she calls them like white women shamans. And she's like, they were preaching a lot of similar things to Teal Swan. And she's like, she's like, I was fucking autistic. Like no one figured that out and no one said anything. And she's like, I'd had a brain injury that was like untreated from like a concussion. And I had this and I was autistic. Like I had this woman doing like way more damage doing like this crazy energy work twice a month for like seven years. And I just needed like a specialist and like meds and stuff. And that's the answer is sometimes a lot more simple than people like Teal Swan and like the QAnon people want to make it out to be. And then Teal Swan's like giving everyone drugs. By the way, my question for you, what the hell was that purple drink they were drinking? Because I like missed out on like knowing what that was because I was talking to my sister. Oh, she said there was frog venom. So in that drink, remember they drank that purple thing and they got all crazy? Yeah, yeah she said it was frog venom. I'm, I'm, oh, so it's yeah. another way they were ingesting because it's called like combo. I know people that have done it. I think so I'm pretty sure. For- for anyone listening, combo is like that that frog in the Amazon that like secretes something when it's scared to like war to like basically kill predators. But somebody in the Amazon must have just licked a frog one time and realized like, oh, this is a help you trip. And so anyway, um, people take it, and a lot of times what they do is they prickle little like holes in their skin and like basically like inject like inject it kind of in, them- in themselves that way, like in like a few little dots in their leg what I've heard is it's like an ayahuasca trip, but it lasts like a lot shorter of a time. Like it lasts like 20 or 30 minutes. Um, I've never had any interest in, in doing it, but I, it's funny. Like I was, I, I used to work out of this really like spiritually, like inclined co-working space in New York city. And this guy, he was in New York just to do a bunch of combo ceremonies. And then we of course had another like white shaman who had lived in, um, Brazil with an ayahuasca arrow and he was there doing all sorts of ayahuasca ceremonies it's donation only like they all have this donation only thing so they don't get in trouble and they like call it a church but suggested um, donation <laughs> it's AKA just so the cost. funny like different psychedelics that have come out of these very serious practices in like other countries and like you know yeah. they're just co-opted by white people and they're like I yeah. don't think they're necessarily equipped to like be no. the no the torchbearers of these things no and like that a lot of her practice in general is a mishmash of like cultural appropriation of like random different practices and then like (laughs) with like the teal swan like trademark put on it and you know with just like a dash of waterboarding like she took a little bit from the u.s government (laughs) (laughs) yeah she borrows from a lot of different cultures and practices (laughs) it takes a village it takes yeah yeah my god (laughs) um one one last thing I'll say about it is something that I I thought that's also interesting about all of her practices and similar type of spiritual teachings is that it doesn't also acknowledge people's socioeconomic conditions and it just it also doesn't acknowledge capitalism. Same thing with QAnon, like everyone is looking for these answers without turning to the fact that sometimes I think it's important to acknowledge that as long as we live in this capitalistic society with this massive division of wealth that is really shitty and that is really hard and it's going to affect people disproportionately but they're preaching this like individualistic thing and they're putting it all on you and it's like 
if you're not doing the work, then you won't be healed. There's a lot of things that we're a bit powerless to, but at least can acknowledge that it's not like we're going to like waterboard our way into like loving certain (laughs) situations. absolutely and I think like I live in like the land of it because I swear to god like just being in LA and going to like meditation classes I you know listen I'm like a white woman with a good job like I I'm I'm good but like the people at some of these meditation centers you have like a different level of like pretty and like whatever privilege there's like in LA it's like you get these like meditation teachers who are like model like trust fund like whatever and it's like yeah like of course you're you're zen and like then preaching to this class of people who like you know like probably work a shitty job or like you know like might not be able-bodied or like like have different (laughs) issues it's like yeah that's a bit harder to tackle than like you getting like doors flung open for you and like you know like Like, everything's nice to you everything's going (laughs) so well for me because I manifested it's like you are a supermodel also so (laughs) yeah like okay let's Let's just put you in like an ugly suit for a week where we just like make you look like a troll, like, you know, and and, yeah. Yeah. and like, let's like switch things up for you. It's funny. I just saw a video on, um, on TikTok of this girl who was a really pretty, like skinny blonde chick and the video, the whole premise of it was like, they put her basically in like a fat suit and she was showing up on a date, having put the like skinny version of herself on the dating profile and showed up like significantly like with significantly more weight on her and the guy like literally got up and left the date oh I saw that yeah yeah but that's that's (laughs) that that's another like these people never in these positions of power and these spiritual gurus or whatever I I'm just coming like I'm I'm hating that word at this point they they never acknowledge that type of stuff I mean even like look I'm guilty of it too yeah I'm like a white lady even I love astrology but someone (laughs) sent me a meme the other week that was like white women love astrology because they're so used to things going right that when when things aren't going right for them they have to blame it on outer space (laughs) 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 like you know what they're not wrong and like I just feel like you know even like from my stance like there's certain things that like I have to like think outside of my experience to be aware of that like it's like oh that must suck but like I don't experience that you know like so it's just like it's like I think it's funny when people from like cushy places like try to like spin spirituality like I want to find the person that's been through the most to like teach me of spiritual yeah like life lessons yeah you know truly (laughs) yeah and then but often those people are good enough people that they're humble and not necessarily being like I'm the expert who knows everything listen to me you know and those people are just tend to be usually just living their lives like there's some good teachers that that make their way through but a lot of them are just egomaniacs we don't have too much time left, but I want to, I want to move on to another crazy egomaniac situation, which is the whole (laughs) switching gears, uh, the whole Ezra Miller of it all. So I, I try to understand what's going on with them. There's so much conflicting information out there, Lauren, I would love for you to just (laughs) give us give us the intro give us the lay of the land here oh my god well it's just been such a crazy roller coaster following them um 
So, I mean, there's been a number of crazy things. They have been arrested in Hawaii for attacking someone at like a karaoke bar. Um, But the latest with them was that when this girl was 12 or 13 years old, uh, she is an activist and she is in like a native population. Like I think must have grown up on a reservation because um, the tribal courts were dealing with like what was going on with her. But she, you know, had this relationship with Ezra Miller that was a friendship. And I, I put that in air quotes because it seemed very groomy to me. And even when she was 13, I believe, and he was 23, um, she went away with him and there was a chaperone, but he allegedly um, tried to get her to sleep in the same room as him. Just, so just the fact that he would wait. So, so just even to go back yeah. further, like, what do you mean go away? Like, who is letting her go on this trip? And at this point, Rick, they're, they're an actor. So they're an actor and they've had some minor roles. I've only heard about them in the context of them getting arrested. And then I've had to I've had to do the Wikipedia search. They've been in Perks of Being a Wallflower and I think a few other things. And they're Harry current- Potter. There was like the the Fantastic Beasts or whatever. Okay, yeah, Fantastic Beasts. They're currently filming for uh, Warner Brothers. Um, this is the Flash, the Flash movie. So they they're still booked and busy, and have been doing very questionable, illegal things throughout, and not really facing the penalties of it. It seems. And so right now they're currently in what's up for debate as like potentially a hostage situation i i don't know like i can't really get to the bottom yeah of it. and i mean truly like also choking out a woman in iceland allegedly like like there are like there's a trail and by the way if i messed up their pronouns uh i before i apologize um sometimes sometimes the wrong one comes out with people that i'm just nearly becoming familiar with so anyway they essentially like this girl that was you know started speaking with him when she, he was she was 12 or 13 she's 16 he starts paying for her college and her parents felt that this was like a very manipulative play and then they disappeared well the girl disappeared with them for three weeks um her parents had to like hunt them down Ezra was like joking about it on or their social media and essentially then they find the girl and she's without her driver's license like or they took her driver's license and you know, this isn't the first time that they've been accused of stealing people's like licenses and passports and things like that. There was another instance like that in Hawaii with some people that they were staying with. Um, so the parents essentially were like, well, dang, like we can't get on like a plane without her license. Like, you know what I mean? But she ended, ended up leaving with her parents and, you know, they now have a restraining order against Ezra Miller. Um, but it's just such a crazy, crazy situation and like god i i just think that this is another one of those situations that's like a lot like the jared leto and the army hammer and like where it's just like somebody who's had a little bit of taste of fame enough money to move people around the way that they want to obviously like a proclivity to spend time with people that are far younger than them i mean when i was 23 i wasn't inviting any 12 year olds to come hang out with me unless i was taking my little sister and her friend out for ice cream so, you know, like, yeah, it's and they, just bizarre. And they hide, they seem to hide in plain sight, this type of man, you know, they seem to flirt with revealing the truth a little bit. Like Jared Leto's like, haha, yeah, we are cults. Like 
it's a joke, you know, and we wear, and look, we're even going to take it one step further and all wear white robes on this retreat. It's like, no, that's just our joke with our fans. And it's like, no, but it actually seems like you are running a cult. Um, <laughs> and Army Hammer being like, oh yeah, I just like things crazy. I like things rough. And it's like, uh, you know, <laughs> listen. But like he had, like they attacked somebody in a karaoke bar in Hawaii. They allegedly choked yeah. somebody out in Iceland. They threw yeah. a chair in, like at somebody in Hawaii. And like, there's been, all, there's been a breadcrumb trail of crimes that are small enough that they haven't been locked up, but like, indicative of like some seriously messed up behavior and it's just interesting to me that you know people get away with these things for so long and these little like breadcrumb trails until it's like all right like if they get away with so many little things and like when does it become like I'm gonna take it a step further yeah yeah totally no I know I I just googled whether uh they're still involved with the flash and they're out as of only three days ago so like it takes it takes fully a full kidnapping situation to have them out uh to have people like this out of these productions it's I don't think a lot of people are talking about this because there's did I get it right that they're with a family on a farm and there's a lot of guns around and there's questions about whether that's safe or not no I haven't heard about that the latest that I've heard is just that the activist their name is gibson iron eyes and essentially like this has been going on since she was 12 and they paid for their college and then the clock strikes strikes 18 and like the person just kidnapped and it's like that was the latest that i heard i didn't hear about the gun-toting farm owners but i did also hear with gibson iron eyes that they were fed alcohol weed and lsd from ezra miller like at those underage ages which is insane like as a child so -hmm. it's like okay you have this person who is famous who has the access and money to take this person away from their family who is feeding them alcohol when it goes from like 13 to 23 now they're 15 and and they're 25 it's just very weird age gaps why are you feeding this young person alcohol weed and lsd why are you then like making this weird play to pay for their college like and why aren't there consequences for these things or I guess I know the answer because our society is not good at that yeah yeah and the thing is like the parents of Gibson are saying that Ezra Miller may have like played a role in their child dropping out of college because they eventually dropped out of college and that's when you know they were gone for three weeks with Ezra who was taking them apparently through multiple different states. It's just one of those things. And then Ezra's play is calling the parents transphobic when they've been nothing but supportive of their child who identifies as non-binary. So it's just an interesting card to play when it's like, no, this has nothing to do with your pronouns or your gender. Like this has to do with like, you're literally taking our child around and they don't have access to their ID. And like, we don't know where they are, you know? So it's just... It's a very weird situation. And it's one of those things where it feels like we're at that point where we've just scratched the surface. And it's like, if this is what we know about, what don't we know about? You know? Yeah. And that's why, that's why like, (laughs) I can never answer when it's like, who's your Hollywood crush or whatever. Cause I'm expecting something like this to come out about any star, mostly the man at any point. And, or or the non-binary folks, like, 
you know, <laughs> like, like Ezra Miller, like I'm just expecting any star who's in a position of power to potentially abuse it. And I did see that there was another like 12 year old non-binary child that came out and let's see. So, so this might be the farm that you're thinking of. So the Daily Beast publisher report speaking with an alleged victim of Miller's, a 12-year-old non-binary child who alleges that they were targeted by Miller. On Wednesday, June 15th, the child and their mother were granted a temporary harassment prevention order against Miller, claiming that the actor menaced the family on the evening of February 12th at their neighbor's downstairs apartment and acted inappropriately towards the child. The case was filed at their local courthouse in Greenfield, Massachusetts. Miller came into contact with the family due to their connections with the family's neighbor, who's in the ba- a band with Miller's friend, Whitney Sutters. Uh, Miller was wearing a bulletproof vest. Bulletproof vest. Why was he wearing a bulletproof vest? I don't know. And I had no idea until they were until later that they were armed. The neighbor told the Daily Beast. Um, and according to the neighbor, the evening went sideways when the mother called her friends, her tribe, causing Miller, who they whom they believed to be under the influence, to accuse her of cultural appropriation. Following this snafu, Miller claimed that the board game Parcheesi was of Rastafarian roots, which the half-Black neighbor questioned. Ezra snapped after this interaction, the neighbor alleges. Then they opened up their jacket. They had this, like, big Sherpa jacket, and they opened up one side of their jacket, and you could see a gun. And they said, talking like that could get you into a serious situation, the neighbor tells the Daily Beast. After this altercation, Miller allegedly began to harass the mother, and the then 11-year-old child telling the parents that they are well-equipped to mentor the child. I talked extensively with their child. They have a lot of power in them at one point. You're going to realize that you don't have any control over them anymore. They're an elevated being. And they would be lucky to have somebody like me guide them. Um, and then the trio claimed that Miller additionally asked the mother if she would like to drink their blood because she dresses in a goth style. Um, and then I guess Ezra Miller moved their chair closer to the child, hugging them and touching their lips and asked them to follow them on Instagram and told the child they purchased courses for them to raise on their Vermont farm, which is just giving like Michael Jackson meets like, oh, I don't yeah. know, somebody else. Well, I also feel like, <laughs> I also feel like Ezra Miller is like a bot invented by the far right to make the left look bad and where it's, it's like, they're this person who's off doing all these heinous things. And then anytime they're caught it's like cultural appropriation you're being transphobic like all these things where it's like no you're 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 housing you're you're doing questionable things with children i i actually okay so i just found the article and the reason why i haven't heard of it is because it just came out like this afternoon so we're recording this on the 23rd and it's a rolling stone article and the the head the title of the article is guns bullets and weed ezra miller housing three young three young children and their mother at vermont farm Sources claim the living conditions at the Stars Farm are unsafe for children, saying that there are weapons lying around and that a one-year-old put a loose bullet in their mouth. They saw. So this is like currently happening, and they're they're so they're just out there. Just I guess this is happening now in Vermont. Yeah, it seems like there's children ages one to five that are living are there Vermont Farm, and that there's guns and marijuana growing on the property and yeah loose bullet in the mouth that's not good it just seems like this is like an unfolding of just another unhinged person that has had too much access to money and power um and it's really interesting just to see it's like do you think that fame makes people more of who they are or do you think it like makes them like a twisted version of themselves 
Well, I think as you asked that, this is really grim, but I thought of Lord of the Flies. <laughs> that book really shaped me in high school, but I like how I do think that if let's say we're all left on an island, I do think we all have the potential for us to become this sort of like Lord of the Flies type of type of characters. And so if you go to a less extreme example where it's just like not an abandoned island, it's just fame. I do think that there are shadow sides that can be nurtured. I'm, I'm interested to see if I would become a terrible person. I like to think I wouldn't, but maybe probably most people don't think that they'll be like warped by fame. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think it makes, do you think, is it like a, it's a chicken or an egg situation? <laughs> I mean, I was saying to my sister today, like, cause you know, like I live in LA and there's just like homelessness everywhere. And it's like so sad to see, and you wish that you could do more, but it's like such a massive problem. But like, I was saying to my sister, I was like, I just wish I had Elon Musk money where I could just bring in like the best and the brightest to like figure this out, like, and try to like make it better, you know? And like, you would hope that like you would become more like charitable and like philanthropic if you just like had like money and power right you would try to like use your image to like help positive causes but then it's like you know I could see like a part of me that would definitely like be like oh we're getting Nobu for lunch like every day like that'd yeah. probably be the worst of me you, know? <laughs> you become like somewhat out of touch right sounds, like, sounds great <laughs> well yeah I guess you know I I guess yeah I guess what when I say that I I think sometimes I'm a little too I don't know generous to like defend people um but there it's true that there's shadow sides to us but then you look at people who are just famous and lovely and you've never heard a single negative story about them like you know your your Britney's and your Drew Barrymore's and like Sean Mendez, you know, I don't think he, like, like honestly, Adam Sandler, like Adam Sandler yeah. so down to earth, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And having seen enough of it in LA, it's like, I definitely have seen people who like weren't mean, but are more on guard, which I understand because they probably have had enough unhinged fans come yeah. up to them that like, mm-hmm. they have a guard up to protect themselves because they've had yeah. to before, but like just straight up like nasty behavior. It's like, I think that from my experience and like dealing with some of these people it's like if they were that mean girl in high school like I've specifically dealt with like more females because of the role that I had but um mm-hmm. like if they were that like mean girl in high school like they are just emboldened to stay that person you know what I mean yeah. whereas like high school is over like kind of like for most people but if you're famous and people come up to you you still get to be that like if that's right. who you were and you I'm, know yeah yeah and you're making me think too that I think also that there's just a disproportionate amount of people that are famous that have this crazy ego to begin with. And so that's why they want to become famous. Like then you have your Adam Sandler's in comparison, I'm sure just wanted to make people laugh and just liked being a comedian and enjoy the crap. There's those types of people, but I'm sure there, there has to be a, a highly disproportionate amount who were those bullies or were those peaked in high school types who then get a lot of money and power and then they just kind of stay like this malignant version I think the other thing too is like say you're like a creepy dude but like okay like I think a perfect example is Ed Westwick right like let's just say you go out and like you're out and you black out but you wake up in bed next to Ed Westwick like and then it's like a very confusing thing because it's like oh like consent wasn't really involved here but it's Ed Westwick and I am very attracted to him 
but like this doesn't feel right and then like it happens so many times and that person gets away with it so many times because like people are like well he's like this hot actor like I I guess this is okay you know what I mean like yeah yeah and there's like people that are like no I actually don't give a shit that you're Ed Westwick and like this was like assault like whatever it is like I know he's had some like questionable things come out about him in regards to like you know some like rapey behavior towards women like you know you think about it like he for every like accusation that's out there how many do they get away with like because of who they are you know like it's kind of like Donald Trump too like or like Trump has gotten away with a shit ton yeah or like Johnny Depp having finding out that for decades before Amber Heard entered the picture, he had teams of people cleaning up trashed hotel rooms and paying off, basically cleaning up his messy trail. And that's what they were around for, to be yes people and to make sure that him and his image never faced consequences, him being this belligerent drunk guy. Yeah. And, you know, who was besties with Ryan Adams and Marilyn Manson. Oh, yeah. I know. I was so, I was so, that's a side. I was so scared to say anything about all that because of how crazy people were being and then I waited until the trial was done and then basically was like what the fuck is up with all of this Johnny Depp worship but um like- oh I had somebody in all caps like right like fuck, oh, fuck you unfollowing you're an Amber Heard supporter blah, blah, in all caps and I was like sweetie patiti we did not get every bit of evidence that was presented in England like there was I, a different outcome in England. Like, yeah, all the I, people that were on the stand are, were very well paid by him. Like, I know who his best friends are. It's a little bit more gray than it is black and white, but people want to see it as Amber Turd versus, like, the Jesus Christ himself of our century, Johnny Depp. And I just don't see it that way. No. I see it as, like, a lot more gray than that. That's for sure. And I think that we're going to look back on all that. And some people are going to be a little bit embarrassed by their tweets. I sure hope so. And a lot of them, I won't see their tweets or whatever because I block them because anyone who was mm-hmm. anyone who was making these like dreamy fan edits, I'm like, nope. <laughs> oh man. I mean, I blocked so many people and it's so funny. Uh, I posted a video. It's not funny at all, actually, but it's it's just funny in the way that it's kind of funny. Funny, funny weird. Uh, <laughs> funny, weird. That, uh, I posted something about FKA Twigs and like, you know, she's going to be in trial in April of 2023 against Shia LaBeouf, who like pretty mm-hmm. much admitted to doing awful stuff to her. He yeah. publicly apologized and people were like, seems like Amber Turd, seems like Amber, like, ah, like, opposite of amber heard like and i'm like fuck you all that's, like that's fuck why you all that's why that's why sam and i did an emergency episode about it partly because of how horrified we were about the trial but also talking about the precedence that it sets like for future people now you have kyle rittenhouse being like oh now i'm gonna speak up you have brad pitt suing angelina jolie for like messing with his reputation their wine estate whatever like Marilyn Manson which I'm like that's bold of you sweetie that's bold of you you literally look like the antichrist trying to stay trying to stay relevant now that like I wish I could send them all to an island (laughs) I know I know I keep I always come back to this where I I I would I I I think that way too many people are incarcerated and I think but then I'm like, actually, though, just leave me in charge. There are certain people that I would like to lock away. <laughs> yes. Like the, and all these people that do these awful things to women, like let's send them all to an island and then yeah. like banish them there. And then they can just do it all to the, each other. Because well, they're yeah. all, you know, there's so much room taken up by people that are there on drug charges. Let them all go. There'll be a ton of empty spots. Send all these men who you never seem to be able to prosecute. Send them, them all there. We're good. Like, 
<laughs> I I'm, we, I'm re- we solved uh, Emily for president of the United States. Like I will, I, I'm gonna like figure out how to get you your citizenship. We're gonna figure <laughs> it out. <laughs> yeah, I want power, and I want um to be in the states and have access to seventeen dollar Erewhon smoothie. So it would cover all of those all of those bases. <laughs> Uh, who's going to sing at your inauguration? <laughs> um, Rihanna, I'm going to bring her back and make her, <laughs> make her sing her new music. <laughs> As president, my first order of business. <laughs> I, I literally live. Oh, it's so funny. It's um, so funny. Oh, well, and like guns are banned. So oh, yeah. Miller, we're taking all your fucking guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, I think this this is why i will always defend the us there's there's just there's there's canadians and there's europeans here who love to write off this do you know how many are living within the states and embarrassed by all of this ridiculousness i I wake up every morning thinking I should move to like denmark i'm not even kidding you like the number <laughs> of times it's been brought up this week alone with my sister here like i i can't even tell you i'm like we are living in like like a shithole like I'm just like I can't with the U.S. but I love California I, I I'm rooting for us but damn I mean I don't know if you saw today they just uh they just loosened up gun laws <laughs> in the states even more so <laughs> no, one thing like, they would at least keep it the same like not make it like but you know that's what happens when you have Brett Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court so you know yeah. God bless America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's oh it's feeling extra apocalyptic right now, which is why I usually like to keep things kind of like light and fun, distracting on the pod. But then every once in a while, I'm like, no, I need to get into certain topics. But you're like, you're like the perfect person to get into all this. It's like it, it's it's its own form of therapy. <laughs> like what? The, it is. It is. I just came here today to vent. I just came here to vent. <laughs> and I'm so glad you did. I'm so glad you did, Lauren. We're out of time. I want you to tell everybody where they can find you on the interwebs. Oh my God. Well, other than like crying in uh, my room about the state of the world, um, you can find me at- Which will be live streamed on Twitch. (laughs) (laughs) Always, always. I I don't cry alone. (laughs) If you don't film it, it didn't happen. Yeah, Um, yeah. everywhere like the zen blonde just tiktok instagram podcast emily you got to come back on mine soon and thank you so much for having me yeah i i'll bring my hot mess express energy on your podcast anytime <laughs> you're, you're coming back it's always a delight though bye all right guys that's it for today's episode if you like what you've heard please subscribe to the podcast hit me with a five-star review if you'd like to support it any further you can go to patreon.com slash it's become a whole thing au revoir mes amours